Welcome to Business Owners Radio. Business Owners Radio, where established business owners get the latest insights, strategies, and practices to grow a sustainably profitable business. And now, taking care of business, your hosts, Craig Moen and Shai Gilad. Welcome to Business Owners Radio, episode 175. Our guest today is Lars Helgeson, CEO of Green Rope, author of the book CRM for Dummies, and keynote speaker at TED Talks. Lars has been in the internet marketing space since 2000, when he co-founded one of the world's first email service providers, Cooler Email. In 2010, after spending several years designing and implementing a more comprehensive way to meet the needs of small and mid-sized businesses, he launched GreenRope. Currently, it provides CRM technology solutions to over 3,000 companies worldwide. Good morning, Lars. Welcome to Business Owners Radio. Good morning. Thanks for having me. It's fantastic to be chatting with you all the way from San Diego and where the weather's really terrible all the time, right? Yeah, we're struggling here. (laughs) (laughs) So you were the guy. You're the guy that wrote in the dummy series of books, CRM for Dummies. Congratulations. You know, you filled a huge gap for a lot of people and So I was wondering, how did it start, CRM in businesses, and how did it evolve, and what's been experience with it? Yeah, so CRM for Dummies, that was a lot of work. Writing those books takes about a year, just for anyone who's interested in writing a for dummies book. They're a lot of work, but it's definitely worth it in the sense of being able to learn not just about for what we were writing about CRM, but also to learn about how other businesses use it, how people think about it. And I think that's one of the big challenges with CRM in particular is that if you ask 10 people what CRM means to them, you'll get 10 different answers. None of us really went to a CRM class when we were in college. I think they started teaching it recently in the last few years. But again, you've got professors and whatever textbooks may be out there that are based on all these different ways of thinking about CRM. And so what I wanted to do was consolidate a lot of that down into a simple, a little bit more of a strategic way of thinking, because we always think of CRM as software, but really CRM should be a way of thinking about how we run our businesses. And that's the step back that we all have to take, especially as business leaders and owners and managers in our companies. The decision makers have to think about CRM as a culture not as a piece of software that people just plug into. I think a lot of people are used to thinking of CRM as a sales tool, a thing that the salespeople have to use, they have to put their notes in, and if they don't do that, they get fired or reprimanded, and it turns into a very difficult, awkward situation. So what we want to do is think about how we can build relationships between our team and our CRM and each other. So that concept, it seems, is a little bit weird, having a relationship with a piece of software, but it truly is. We've all been in relationships that are one-way relationships, and to be honest, they suck. All of us hate being in a situation where we're the ones just giving and giving and giving, and that's common with a lot of CRM systems. You talk to most salespeople that are forced to use a CRM, They're told, put the information about your relationships with your leads and your clients into this computer system, and then the company will own it, which means the company can then fire you whenever they want to. 
So naturally, salespeople, they shy away from that. They don't want to give away their power. They don't want to give away that thing that makes them valuable to the company. And most salespeople will say that a lot of their value is in their Rolodex, to coin a, a phrase that goes way, way back. But it's those relationships. And the moment the company owns those relationships in the CRM is when the salesperson loses a lot of that power. And so when the company feels like they want to get rid of the salesperson, then the salesperson is just sort of SOL. So how do we encourage a team to interact with a CRM in a way that doesn't make it feel like that one-way relationship? And the way to do that is to build an ecosystem around it. It's a way to create a team-based environment where everyone in the company contributes to that relationship. And in writing the book, what I found when I was talking to all different kinds of companies, all different kinds of sizes and industries, is that this is a very, very common problem. Most people in business think of their CRMs as a tool to have leverage over a team or over individuals in the company rather than using it as a way to, to foster teamwork. And so this is where when we take this step back and we look at what are we actually trying to do with our CRM, it's not just about making a way for salespeople to be more effective. It's creating a team-based approach, a collaborative approach between all the different elements of a business. And that is the big challenge. And it's a struggle for a lot of businesses who don't think about CRM in this way. And it's a struggle because most software doesn't support the ability to do this. And so that's really the, the evolution. We started, our company started way back in the day, 20 years ago, as an email marketing company. And about 12, 13 years ago, we decided to make a change and focus more on the greater problem that businesses face, which is the management of information. And at the core of all of that information, the lifeblood of every business is understanding relationships. And the only way to understand those relationships is to have software that helps you manage all of those. And the only way to do that is to make sure you can have software that manages the entire relationship. Some central place where we look at all the elements that drive relationships. And so typically back in the old days when CRM was first invented, it was a thing that salespeople were doing. They were making phone calls, maybe they were having meetings, they would go to conferences and they would put something in some central system. But in the modern era, relationships are different. They're driven by email, they're driven by websites, they're driven by social media, they're driven by video, they're driven by mobile. So having all of these different ways, these different channels of managing information about those relationships requires software that manages all of those in a way that's easy for a company to use. And that's the genesis of our company. And it's also the vision behind why I wanted to write CRM for Dummies so that people take a step back and they think strategically about what do we want CRM to mean for our business. It's amazing. I can relate to so much of this, having gone through the infancy of it. And I love your story about, you know, the salespeople not wanting to share their relationship because that's what they own. And that's the only thing they have. For their job security, it's an interesting pull. But in relationship to, well, what's the advantage to a salesperson or anybody in the company to share this dialogue or information from the customer and, and like accumulative data from the customer? So if you ask businesses, do you have a CRM? A lot of them say, oh, sure, we use Excel, you know, and that's a nice place to start. And it's one step above paper. 
But I like the element of it really becomes powerful when there's just one copy of the customer's record, if you will, one repository. So many have, well, you got the sales department, they've got their thing that they're using. And then you got the marketing department and you got the actual front office in in dialogue with the follow-on sales with the client. And they're all using different systems. Mm-hmm. They don't know what's going on, so they can't leverage each other, just like you're saying. You, you can tell it right away when you're calling into someplace for telephone support, and they send you to another department. Well, they don't have the ability to look at the other department's data. They're all separate, these islands. So uh, it was interesting watching Microsoft and Oracle and a little bit of Salesforce coming in for a niche and trying to pull it all together. And largely it failed. What did they do wrong? Well, it's not an uncommon thing. And you touched on a few different things. And the key here is the how part of this. How do you get software to manage all those different, you call them islands. A lot of people in the CRM consulting space will call them silos, but they're different pieces of software, like you said, that are gathering data and they don't share the data very well with other people. That's the key is that if you're a salesperson and you're going to be interacting with the CRM, you want to have access to that marketing data. You want to be able to see, is your lead opening emails that are being sent? Are they on your website? Are they watching videos? Are they interacting with you on social media? Are they calling your tech support people? Having all of that information available to you is the key. That's what we need to be able to create is this teamwork environment is a way to share data meaningfully between the different departments. And that's the hard part. Companies that you mentioned before, the Salesforces, the Oracles, the Microsofts of the world, they have mainly built their software in separate systems like that. And so the integration of those different systems becomes an afterthought. It becomes a thing that says, well, we built this system, whatever it is, or maybe we bought this software. Now we need to figure out how to make it talk to another piece of software. And when that happens, you have to create then APIs, automated programming interfaces, ways for these different software pieces to communicate with each other. And if you have just two systems talking to each other, it's doable. You have two interfaces that are talking to each other. Maybe if you think of it as like a contact management system and maybe an email marketing system or something like that, or a CRM and an email marketing system, those two pieces can talk to each other. There is still a fair amount of complexity because you have to figure out what data needs to flow back and forth from one to the other. And you have to think about, well, what happens if there's a conflict? How often do you synchronize? So that managing one relationship is difficult, but it's doable if you have a reasonable amount of technology and expertise inside your own company. But you start throwing in the other elements that really make a relationship possible and measurable. And you start thinking about the web traffic. So now what do you do when you're tracking traffic on your, on your website? What do you do when you're tracking people watching videos? What happens when somebody calls you? What happens when someone interacts with you on social media? What happens when you throw an event and you keep track of those event attendees? What happens when someone goes on your website and they engage with your support team or your sales team on chat? What happens when someone has an issue and they open a support ticket or someone on your team has to deal with that issue? All of a sudden now, I just off the top of my head listed eight or nine different things that are very common business functions that all usually require a different piece of software. So you imagine then if you're a company and you're doing whatever it is that you do, 
And all of a sudden, you have to then become a software company because you have to manage developers doing all of those interactions. And so that turns into a complicated spider web of managing these different software pieces, managing different subscriptions. What happens if there's a conflict in your event management system and that has to flow through to the email marketing system? What happens if the customer service team gets an email or gets a chat session or someone opens up a ticket and that has to flow to your sales team? So if you are trying to rely on for example, a salesperson to log in to more than one system to determine if someone has opened a support ticket, they're simply not going to do it. They don't have the time or the inclination. If they don't have that data presented to them right on the same screen where they use everything else, they don't care and they're not, not going to use it. And that is what gets in the way of helping them provide better service and close better deals. But salespeople are busy. They're not going to log into multiple systems to try and gather data and try to correlate that all. So that puts the onus then on the company to integrate that together. And if you use a traditional CRM system, like some of the ones that you mentioned, that turns into a giant software project. And if you're not a software company, trying to go in and manage software developers is a whole separate science as an owner of a software company and can tell you it's not easy. And so we don't want as business owners to be distracted doing things that aren't what we do. If you're a manufacturing company, you don't want to suddenly have to manage an IT team of software developers to figure out how to make all your CRM pieces work together. And if you're going to rely on one of those traditional companies, then you're paying for a system integrator, which is going to cost you hundreds of dollars per hour. And at the end, you're going to have a system that doesn't do everything you want it to do. It's going to be extraordinarily complicated. And in the end, people aren't going to use it. And so... The vision behind what I call complete CRM is using one software system to manage all of those things. And it eliminates the problem of the complexity, eliminates the problem of having all the different subscription. It eliminates the problem of having those APIs and those developers linking those different pieces together. It puts them all in one. If everything is in a single consolidated, simple system, then everyone who has access to that system contributes to the team. They contribute to managing the relationship through a very collaborative interface because they're all in the same system. There's no worry about conflict. And then on top of that, you have the ability to do a lot more automation so that you can tie certain things together when certain things happen. And again, that's where we start a little bit more strategically, but we're going to talk a little bit more about how to set up that automation with all of our customers because everyone has ways if you modeled your customer journey and you look at how your customers go from becoming leads to becoming customers and then turning them into advocates, that can be a fairly long drawn out process. So you want to look at that process and figure out where you can use software to do automation. You don't want to replace everybody, but you want the people in your company to do what people do best, which is typically working with humans. So you've got people interacting with people and software doing all the grunt work. That's why we invented machines. And CRM should have automation, both in sales, marketing, customer service, events, all of those things. There should be automation built in to save you and your team time to allow you to scale without having to add a whole bunch of people to be able to accomplish your mission. Wow, Lars, there's so much there to unpack. I feel like you have developed so much expertise over 20 years of, of doing this. And of course, 
developing these types of software solutions that let us take a really holistic approach to delivering our value to our customers, right? But I, I can't help but want to walk this back a few steps. And let's talk about some of the requirements when you just think about this relationship, right? Because you said so much of this is about culture and developing a culture, going back to that Peter Drucker, the purpose of a business is to have a customer, right? So, you know, then the purpose of CRM is to manage that relationship with a customer. But let's talk about some of those components. So when you're first trying to get your arms around CRM, so many of us jump to the solution and we say, okay, well, what are the different solutions that'll help us fix this problem that we have, which is maintaining these relationships. But I think that in our experience, you know, sometimes just this lack of understanding about how well-defined we have our customers and how well do we know that journey. Can you give us some insights or maybe some examples of how you might work with a business owner to help them understand that part of the process? Absolutely. And you know, what you brought up is exactly the crux of the issue. It is that a lot of companies think, well, I need a CRM, so I'm going to go find a CRM. And when they go do it that way, they put the cart way before the horse because as business owners, leaders, managers, it's our job to understand our business first. And as you said, we have to know who we're selling to, who are our target markets. We have to develop those buyer personas. We have to understand who we're selling to. Then the next step is to look at the buyer's journey and look at how people find us. We look at how people are going to interact with us, whether they're on our website or they're going to call us. So they're going to interact with us on social media. And then we're going to come up with how we do lead nurturing. How do we educate? How do we convince them to buy our product or service? Then they become a customer and then we engage with them and we turn them into advocates for our brand. And how do we then reward them for being advocates? That whole customer journey has to be thought out way before you even think about a CRM. In support of those customer journeys, we also have to build what's called a data model, which all that means is we have to know what information we need to store about our leads and our customers to be able to do our job. So if we know that a certain target market, maybe it's gender, maybe it's income, maybe it's geographic location, whatever that is, that may drive our messaging. It may drive what we're trying to sell to those people. So we have to know then what do we need to store about that? So if we know we sell differently to higher or lower income people, we're going to have to store how much income they have. If we sell to homeowners differently than we do to renters, then we need to store whether or not they're homeowners or renters. So building that data model is all part of this preliminary research and work that we have to do before we even think about the CRM. Then once we go through those exercises and we have an idea of our target markets, we have an idea of our customer journeys, and we have an idea about our data models, then we go and we look at CRMs. And we look at CRMs and all the things that we need to do to support the entire journey, everything. And so it's pretty simple when you approach a CRM and you say, this is my business model. This is how I want it to work. Tell me how your CRM helps me accomplish what I want to have happen. And if you see a lot of hand waving and a, a lot of, well, we'll hire developers to build this for you, or we'll do this. And I'm sure we'll get this done within a few months. You can kiss off the next 10 years of your life going down an exercise of trying to build software that'll never work. What you want to do is once you develop all of that first, then you go to your CRM vendors and you say, okay, show me how I accomplish this. And if they're able to show this to you, then get a demo, get a trial, play around with it, get a sense for what their customer service is like. 
And if it works, then that's when you engage the CRM vendor and they should have people on staff to walk you through the implementation. So we're not expecting people to come to us to have a full detailed knowledge of CRM. Um, there's a lot of those elements that I was talking about before, people that have never really used a support ticketing system or haven't tried to integrate email marketing with the CRM or web analytics, all these different things that may be foreign to the companies or the people that work in those companies. And so the company should be able to provide you with implementation services and enough support to make you feel comfortable that you're embarking on a journey with a CRM that's going to get you to where you want to go in a finite amount of time. And there's not a lot of hand-waving and magic poof, we're just going to make this happen for you. Just trust us. You want to see proven track records of what the software can do and how it works for different industries so that someone's got some expertise and some experience in helping you accomplish what you're trying to accomplish. Where do you start when you're first helping a business sort of onboard this type of massive change? So assuming they've developed their buyer personas and their target markets, assuming they have their journeys, and then they assuming that they've built a data model, then we sit down with them and we educate them on how our system works to support those things. And typically, we start with the sales and some of the basic marketings. We'll show them how a salesperson can go in and leave notes for contacts, simple stuff. We show them how to use our email marketing system where they can upload their contact list, their newsletter list. They can design how to get the analytics out of that, how that flows automatically into the contact record. Then we show them how to install the web analytics on their websites. And so we've got integrations with WordPress and other things to help people do that tracking. So typically that's where we start. And then we start to move to the next level. So we look at their customer service teams. We show them how to do events if they're doing events. We show them how to do the telephony, so the in and outbound, the click-to-call and the call management. We show them how to do text messaging if that's part of what they do. We show them how to set up automation. We've got a drag-drop automation thing that kind of shows you through. It's like a flowchart. You know, so you send an email. What happens if somebody reads it? What happens if they don't? Things simple, things like that. And then we really get to understand their business as part of that whole process. And so every business is going to be unique. They're all going to have their own flavor of how they do things. And so we want to help them understand how to apply that in the context of our software. So it's a process. It has to be collaborative because of the nature of what it is that we're doing. And one size does not necessarily fit all. Lars, when a company's looking at finally pulling this together and realize some of the benefits on a total customer relationship standpoint in one system. What's the implementation like and costing like, and how should they be viewing this? It's a really good question because a lot of companies have either very complex pricing models, or they do things to kind of lure you in. And then as you start to get your CRM or your software up and running, things start to get much more expensive. And so what we call that, at least in the software industry, is total cost of ownership. And the concept of of understanding your total cost of ownership is looking at all of the things over, say, a five-year period that you're going to have to pay for. And it's not necessarily just the subscription to the software. In fact, the subscription to the software typically is not a huge driver to total cost of ownership. If you look at the cost of setting up a CRM, for example, since we're talking about CRM, There are a lot of elements that go beyond just the use of the software. We talked a little bit before about the integration costs, and and that is a huge driver, probably the biggest driver to your total cost of ownership for a CRM, because 
you're not just paying for the subscription to your CRM. If you have to go integrate lots of different software packages together, you have to buy the subscriptions for those other software packages, which again is going to be expensive, but not nearly as expensive as figuring out how to make them talk to each other. The developers that have to make different software pieces talk to each other are typically very expensive because it's a very complicated process. All of the things that go into making, say, an email marketing system talk to your CRM or a social media system talk to your CRM or a customer service system talking to your CRM, each of those software packages are built to be great at what they do. But the integration is someone else's problem. And again, this is also the challenge, if you've probably heard the expression, the inmates running the asylum, where this can happen, where you may hire someone who is really good at email marketing, say, and they're used to using a particular email marketing program, and they don't want to use anything else because they don't want to learn anything else. And the challenge with that is that they're not the ones responsible for doing the integration of all that data. It's the managers and the owners of the business that have to say, well, How do I then make sure that this data does not just sit in the email marketing program? And the email marketer is sort of the inmate saying, well, I just really like to use this. And the manager has to say, no, we need to make sure the data comes out of there and is useful by other people in the organization. So how do we do that? If the answer to that question is we hire developers and then we have to figure out how to sync the data back to our CRM, And how do we deal with data conflicts? What happens if one is different than the other? How often do they sync? Once you start doing that exercise for more than one, you start to scale up exponentially your costs and the complexity of the system. And that's how we understand our total cost of ownership. So you get a bid and you say, okay, so I'm going to have to link this system back to our CRM. And that's going to cost me, say, they get a bid for $50,000. The Rule of thumb on software is expected to be three times the cost and schedule to actually implement. So if they say we'll do it for 50,000 bucks in six months, you can expect it to be 150 in a year and a half. And that's just how it works. And so if that's going to be your cost for a single implementation, that will get that working, but then interfaces always change. So you're going to have maintenance associated with those costs, keeping those developers on retainer, keeping that software up to date and maintained. So for just one interface, you're signing off on potentially tens of thousands of dollars and a continuing cost to keep those two in sync with each other. Now you expand that to all the other things that need to talk to your CRM. So the total cost of ownership is an understanding of all those different elements linking back to your CRM, the things that have to be in there. You've got your marketing, you've got customer service data, you've got sales data, you've got other systems that need to get that data back into that central repository. How are you going to do that? So as business owners and leaders and managers, we have to look at the total cost of ownership, not just the subscriptions, but the integration costs. And then you've got training, you've got maintenance, all of these different things that go in there. And if someone provides you with a pricing page or a pricing model that's extremely complex, you can bet that there are a lot of hidden gotchas in there. The Microsoft CRM pricing schedule is 25 pages long. If you're a huge company and cost is of no object to you and you don't really care and you're willing to dump millions of dollars in your CRM, I mean, go for it. But if you're a responsible business owner and you want to be a good steward of the financial and the health of your data, then you want to think about this total cost of ownership and think about what it actually costs your business. And part of that is not even just the creation and maintenance of the CRM, but you have risk associated with that as well and data privacy issues and insurance issues that go with that. 
the more systems that you have out there storing data, the more vectors for data loss you have as a business. So again, you go back to this model of having a central CRM and all these other different software pieces that are connecting to it. Each one of those different software pieces represents a way that data can get lost or compromised. And then if that ever happens, then you have all those different ways that you have to be prepared to explain to your customers how you lost their data, explain to the insurance company how you lost that data, figure out how you're going to protect people's credit once you lose that data, what's going to happen if a regulator from the EU is enforcing GDPR and is looking at how you may have been protecting or not protecting the privacy of an EU citizen's data, or with CCPA, the California Protection Act, then you have to be very conscious of how you're storing and protecting people's data. So all of that, it's a lot to think about. But as leaders in our businesses, we have to be aware and cognizant of those decisions because they drive everything that we do in our business. Well, Iris, thank you so much for really taking a deep dive into CRM and some real food for thought, um, some real updates in the industry and what's happening and the integration levels that are in existence today and what the opportunities are. So we appreciate that very much. Yeah, thanks for having me. And Lyris, is there anything else you'd like to leave with our audience today? Sure. If anyone wants to learn more about how we do things, first, I would recommend getting CRM for Dummies. And I know I'm biased because I wrote the book, but it's a good exercise in thinking through a lot of the high-level strategy that I've talked about today. And I think every business can benefit from a deeper understanding of how CRM can help and change your business for the better. And if you're interested in learning more about Green Rope in particular, our website explains a lot, greenrope.com. And then from there, you can get a free demo. I mean, we're a low-pressure organization. So we want to help. And we feel like we can help most businesses, but we're not going to high-pressure. It's not a boiler room thing. You know, We want to be in a collaborative relationship with all of our customers. And, and for that reason, we don't grow super fast. We're not a huge company. We stay very focused on providing excellent customer service and a good customer experience for all of our customers. And to that end, I'm happy to talk to any businesses that are interested in, in potentially looking at a way to improve the way they do business. Our guest today has been Lars Helgeson, CEO of Green Rope and author of the book, CRM for Dummies. You can find out more about Lars as well as find links to his content today at businessownersradio.com. Thank you for joining us on Business Owners Radio. We hope you enjoyed today's show. As always, you can read more about each episode along with links and offers in the show notes on our website, businessownersradio.com. We want to hear your feedback. Please leave comments on this show or suggestions for upcoming episodes. Tell your fellow business owners about the show and, of course, you would love the stars and comments on iTunes. Till next time, keep taking care of business.